Welcome to episode 8 of Advanced Scout, your favorite podcast about clutch baseball, a card game that's actually a board game about a ball game. I'm Paul Seeley, manager of the Fed Wheezy Fusion. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you that Clutch has a Discord, and it is awesome. Chat about the game, play games, check out cool team-building resources, follow the upcoming High Heat Clutch League, and more. Come join us. A link to the Discord will be in the description of this podcast. This is part two of our, well, my attempt to go through all of the strategy cards from 2019 in 20 and just kind of review them uh, ahead of the upcoming uh, year season. So I'm not covering any of the 2021 cards. Um, I made the plan for these podcasts before those cards were leaked. So basically I have a little bit of catching up to do. I will cover those 21 strats after I cover the 19 and 20 strats. Um, Hopefully that will be coming in the near future. So today, I want to talk about offensive strategy cards. Uh, I still have the same tiers as before. I have the everyday tier, the probable tier, the day-to-day tier, the alternate site, and the released tier. So because last episode went about an hour and a half, I'm going to try to make this a bit shorter. So I'm probably only going to talk in detail and explain the cards a lot for the first two tiers. For the day-to-day tier, I will maybe not go super in-depth, but I'll kind of explain when I would use that card. And for the alternate site, I will maybe give like the very niche situation I'd use it in. And I will read a list of every card on the release tier, just so that way you know I did consider that, and I did put it in the release tier on the chance that maybe I forgot a card or something. I'm pretty sure I didn't, but... You know, um, but if you want to know more about why, the answer is basically, I think it's extremely situational when you will ever be able to use that card properly. And when you use that card properly, it still isn't very good. So that's, that covers every single card in the release tier. And that also covers every single card on the alternate site with the, exception of like one specific situation and i'll explain what those situations are so let's go ahead and start with the everyday tier so for offense everyday tier consists of i am inevitable on deck circle ribeye stake 2.0 see it clearly flags playing out slap it so let's start with i am notable um this is pretty much as close as it comes to i am decking this every time you know, there are occasionally situations where I'm in, like, a super pitcher-heavy matchup, and maybe I don't want it, but, I mean, you know, the difficulty of it is that it's unpredictable if you're going to be able to get a hit or not, but you can still kind of predict it, and power die is good. Power die plus two on base is good. You don't need any particular condition for it. You can just play it. Uh, one downside of it is that you have to play at the start of the inning, which means that if you're playing it at a time where your opponent is bringing in a new pitcher, you actually have to play this before they bring in the new pitcher, which means inevitably um, your opponent can bring in a better pitcher if you play I Am Inevitable. This is a much bigger issue with cards like Goodwood and Rally Cap, which I'll get to later on, 
But I Am Inevitable is very useful regardless. Power Die is just good. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to get use out of it because you only need one runner to get on base. Um, and so it's not usually terribly difficult to make use of the Power Die. And because you have to get at least one one runner on base, when you play I Am Inevitable, you are guaranteeing that if you get a Power Die swing, you are getting it with a runner on base, which is never a bad thing. Um, yeah, you know, it sucks if you go through a 1-2-3 inning. Um, you know, your best bet is to try and play this on your best hitters so you don't do that. But that's never, obviously, never, you know, a guaranteed thing to happen. But um, usually it works out pretty well. And, you know, you can also play around double plays um, if you want. Like, there's definitely some situations where I'll play I Am Inevitable and I get a runner on. My next batter's not that good. I'll just sack bunt the next guy over because then it's not a double play or something. Um, anyway, I Am Inevitable is pretty good. Uh, on deck circle is a power die swing, therefore it's good. Benefit of it is that you can play it before the swing, so you can wait until you get the swing on your chart. Ideally, you wait until you get the swing on your chart on a player with a chart that has very few outs on it. I know many people believe this card is cursed because it seems like every time they play it, they get out on their own chart. I know that that definitely seems like that happens more than it should. Uh, I also believe that um, that is just a fallacy of how the human brain works. And if we use facts and logic, um, playing a strategy card does not impact the rule you get on the die. So I still believe that this is a top-tier card because despite the fact that it certainly feels like I get a lot of outs with this card in play, I understand that there is no correlation between a card that I play and what I get on the dice. Because that's not that's not how it works. So this card is good and you should use it. And if you want to be superstitious and not use it, you know, that's fine. I'm not you know, I'm not here to tell you how to have fun during this game, but I'm just saying nothing you are doing is logical, and it's okay if you admit that. And if you want to admit that and still keep doing it, it's fine. Just as long as you admit, as long as you admit it. Next is Ribeye Stake 2.0. Same reason. Power die good. Uh, you have to play it with a runner on second, but that's kind of when you want to give power die swings anyway. Is when you have running in scoring position. It's good. You know the icon is a bonus, but I mean, you just want the power die swing. Power die swing is good. See clearly again. Power die swings good. You have to have opposite handedness, but power die swings good. So that's really all there is to it. Flies flying out. Obviously, power die swing is good. Um, I slipped on this card a little bit when it first came out. Uh, what's really good about it is that you can play this because you're playing this on the pitcher's chart. It does not matter who your batter is whatsoever. The only thing that matters when you play this card is what situation you're playing it in. So, if you have a runner on second and two outs and, you know, a 50-point hitter is hitting and you're on the pitcher's chart and you play this, you are just as likely to hit that runner in as if 
you are hitting Beirut on the pitcher's chart and you play this, right? It doesn't matter how good or bad your hitter is. The only thing that matters is what situation you're in. So the ideal use of flags flying out is you wait until you're in a really critical situation where a pitcher's chart hit would be a really big deal, would help you out a lot, and you play this card, and then you pray to the gods that you get a pitcher's chart hit. And as little control you have over that, it at some point it works. Like, if you roll enough times, you roll the power dice swing on the pitcher's chart, eventually you're going to get one that works. And so all you have to do is make sure all of those power die swings on the pitcher's charts come when you have a runner in scoring position to capitalize on it. So you don't just want to throw this away. You want to use it because you get to use this in very precise ways, and it does not matter who your hitter is. Um, it basic, Basically, because this can be used on any hitter, it you get to use it at the precise right moment, right? Because if you're using something like See It Clearly, you have to have the right hand on this matchup between the batter and the pitcher. If you're using something like Ribeye Steak, you have to have a runner in scoring position, which usually you're going to want anyway. But, you know, you know, if you're using a card like Frozen Rope, you might want to wait until you have the advantage. Though so you can play it on a pitcher's turn. I do that all the time. But with flags flying out, you, you can play it on any hitter. It doesn't matter which hitter you play it on. So because of that, you get to be extremely precise on exactly when you get to maximize the value out of a pitcher's chart hit. And so a lot of times, you know, it just comes with experience of thinking, okay, am I going to get a better situation to play this card than right now? And, you know, the later you go into the game, the more willing I am to just use it. But, you know, usually if those are in a scoring position and I feel like I can get him in with a hit, it's a good time to use it. Last in everyday tier is Slap Hit. This card exists because Billy Hamilton exists. And the combo of those two things is really good. I ran Billy Hamilton with Slap Hit in Polar Power. Billy Hamilton hit like 330, which for a 125-point card that gives plus four center field defense, that is dang good. Um, that's all there is to it. The card's good. Um, I We have realized recently that... Um, the bright side you can play if your opponent uses slap hit, hit a single to draw two cards. Um, I don't think that makes slap hit bad. Uh, I think you have to hold the bright side in your hand for the whole game, hoping that your opponent gets a slap hit to work. And I think that in itself is pretty not worth decking the bright side for. Like you have to just like hold these cards in your hand this whole game. But slap hit is good because you you're just using it on your 9-hitter, and then you have a 9-hitter on first and quite possibly second after a stolen base for top of your order. That's really good. I win games because of this. There, I can count multiple games in Polar Power that I won solely because of Slap Hit. I won a one to nothing game because my one run came from a Slap Hit, Billy Hamilton, steal second base, pitch chart single, score him. That was the only run anybody scored in the game. It's really good. It's a nice way to bring just a little bit of small ball dynamics to your team, um, which is particularly helpful against power pitching teams because 
you know, every run counts. So it's nice to just have another way of finding runs. You know, obviously most of the way I tend to find runs is just by hitting good and hitting home runs good and driving people in. But having slap hit is just like another way to do that. And sometimes you need to find that. So next to the tier is the probable tier cards that I'm probably using. Um, it's Hail to the King, Legends Never Die, Light Tower Power, Let the Kids Play, You're an All-Star, Goodwood, Riley Cap, Lodge Angle, Pull the Ball, Tough Hop, Squared It Up, High Chopper, and Captain Clutch. So I'll go through this. Hail to the King and Legends Never Die are simple. If you have cards that make use of those, if you have cards with three, four, five, six, seven icons, you're using those cards. I don't always have cards like that in my in my lineup. You know, I've even recently I found myself not having any icons in my lineup at all, so I won't use those cards. But if you do have those icons to use those cards, they're a no-brainer. Um, the same thing is going to go for your an all-star. If you have hitters with the all-star icon, you should use your an all-star. If you don't, you should not. That's it. Um, Light Tower Power is nice. Um, I, I tend not to deck it a lot if I'm going up against a power pitching matchup because Light Tower Power requires you to have runners on base and the batter's advantage. Having those two combined on a you know, power pitching matchup is pretty unlikely. You know, like, it's, it's still not bad in that situation. It's just that it's much less likely and I have other cards I want to be using instead. Um, but, you know, especially if you're in a offensive-heavy uh, situation where you know you're just going to try and outscore your opponent, that card's really good because, again, you get to play it on your batter's chart. You can play it with runners on base. So if you're going to be in a game where you know you're going to face that situation a lot, you can kind of pick the right time to play that card. You know you're going to get good use out of it. Uh, let the kids play is really good, uh, especially in stadiums that make use of empty real estate. So if empty real estate is a minus two or a minus three to the swing, let the kids play is really good because you, I mean, basically turning a minus three into a plus three is a difference of like six to your swing, which is pretty much the highest you can get from a card in the game. Um, I will usually deck two of these and end up most of the time only playing one. That said, because um, you have to discard an additional two if you play the second one, but there are probably situations where that's worth it. Um, probably not that likely, but it's totally worth it. Um, so, I, you know, I, there's definitely, like, it's one of those things where I scout a lot, so if I know my opponent runs empty real estate... You know, especially if I'm on the road, and I'm like, okay, my opponent's playing in their stadium, so do they run empty real estate in their stadium? Yes, okay, I'm going to run, let the kids play. There are other cards that subtract from the swing, so if I'm going up against a pitcher-heavy team that runs Intimidation Factor and Clean Cleats, then this works just as well. But, you know, empty real estate's the most common uh, subtract from the swing card, so... That's really nice. Another thing to note is that let the kids play, you get to play it before the swing instead of before the pitch. So if you find yourself in an undesirable situation where you, you know, maybe you only want to play it when you get the advantage. Okay. I would say that's unlikely just because if you're picking your spots that carefully with it, that means 
either that means that your opponent would have to have a lot of minus to the swing cards in order for you to like get another chance to play that anytime soon. So I would say I don't pick my spots with that too often. But you know, I mean, if it's you know if I have a runner on first and my opponent plays empty real estate, like I'm probably not going to play that the kids play. But I assume my opponent's playing it in a high leverage situation, and I could really use that extra this way. So, that's what I use it for. Uh, Goodwood and Rally Cap, I basically are probable just because, for the same reason, I am inevitable. I think I'm, I am inevitable is more is more um, easy to use in a power pitching matchup. If you're in a defensive matchup with Goodwood and Rally Cap, I kind of tend not to deck those just because it's really unpredictable when you're going to get hits. Like, if you're up against a really good pitcher and you're throwing a really good pitcher, basically you're just kind of hoping your opponent's pitcher messes up at some point. But you can never guess when, right? You never know when. Like, obviously some hitters are going to be slightly more likely than others to get a hit, but it's not predictable at all. And so I tend not to run those just because it seems not worth it to run those. Like, like the ideal situation with Goodwood and Rally Cap is you get a lot of hits and you get a lot of plus two to your swings. You get a lot of card draws from Rally Cap. You can all but guarantee that that's going to happen, that that will not happen with a really good pitcher, right? Like, your your most realistic good case scenario is you get like one or two hits and while yes getting plus two to two different swings is pretty good you also don't get to predict them you don't get to use them strategically you just kind of get them so maybe you get those in good situations maybe you don't and so I just think that that's not remotely close to worth it um, pull the ball I have here mainly as a card that I will try to use in offensive heavy situations um, because pull the ball requires you to be on your own chart and get, well, it doesn't require you. It requires you to get a walk or a hit uh, with opposing handedness. So lefty versus righty, righty versus lefty, or switch versus anybody. Um, and then you re-roll a walk or a hit with the power die. You don't really want to do that on a pitcher's chart just because it's so unlikely that you'd actually get another pitcher's chart hit anyway. So you really want to do it on your chart. And so I'm putting this in the probable tier just because I think it's generally pretty useful. Uh, Power dice swings are no joke. And I tend to run a lot of players with low batter's chart outs. So I think when you have those players, it's more worth it to run cards like this. But you know, usually you want to do this if you know you're going to get a lot of advantages and you know you're going to get more opportunities to play this. If you're not, then you're not going to use it. Um, next I have Tough Hop. Uh, Tough Hop's interesting. Um, you know, I find that I have been facing a lot of lower defense infields lately, and so that's why I'm putting it here. Um, just because I've found myself running into a lot of situations where it's like, okay, a plus two everywhere in the infield. And if that's the case, then 
Tough Hop's a good card to play to give you potentially a bases empty single. Again, I'm thinking mainly in pitching heavy matchups where you'll take every single hit you can get. Um, you know, that said, if your opponent's running a plus five shortstop or a plus four second baseman, that's probably not worth it. But, I mean, I think the best kind, the, the way I tend to build teams is to have like plus two and plus three everywhere in the infield. So, you know, if I'm assuming that my opponent is good and they build like I do, then it's not a bad card to have. Could probably be a tier lower, but I'm putting it here. Squared it up. Squared it up's nice. Um, this is, again, a card I'm using in a high offense situation. Or, um, you know, I'm using this in a, in a low offense situation. High, high defense situation, high pitching. Because, basically, the idea is, if you don't get very many advantages, you want cards that you can play after you get the advantage, right? So cards like On Deck Circle, cards like Squared It Up are really good when you are only going to get so many advantages. I think Pull the Ball even could fall into this category as well. If you're only going to get a few advantages, you have to make the most of them. So a card like Squared It Up, is a little inefficient in that you have to discard one card and play this card to get plus two the swing or power die. But the benefit is that you guarantee that you are getting those on your chart. And if you are in a heavy pitching matchup, that is really all you can do, right? You're not going to get 10,000 opportunities to get a good shot at a home run or get a good shot at a hit. You need to think the best of what you got. So, I tend to run squared it up a lot more the more pitching heavy we're going. You know, if it's, you know, if I'm facing OD Kershaw, it's easy, right? If I'm facing um, Patrick Sandoval, I'm not using it. If it's somewhere in the middle, you know, kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a, a gradient of how, how, how likely I am to use it. Uh, next is High Chopper. High Chopper is good because you can play it on a ground ball with runners on base. So for all of the people out there who run teams with slow players like me, high chopper is great. It allows you to stop double play opportunities. It allows you to, you know, stop basically rally killing double plays. It allows you to keep rallies going. You know, you got runners on first and second, one out, you roll a ground ball that could end the inning, or it could load the bases. So, high chopper's nice. You know, even if your opponent is playing an infield of, like, 9 or 10, I still think high chopper's worth decking, because it's still, like, a 50-50 shot to keep a rally going, and, I mean, you don't want to just throw high chopper out for no reason. You want to be playing it when you have runners on bases, because that's the point. So, generally speaking... You know, if it's a 50-50 shot at extending a rally instead of killing the rally, like, that's generally a, a really good trade to make, even though it's a high-risk, high-reward play. Um, you know, if your opponent's infield's, like, 13 or 15, probably not. But I think usually they're, like, 9 or 10. Um, so that's kind of how I'm playing that. 
Um, Captain Clutch. Uh, very simple. Do you have positive clutch players? Yes, you should use it. No, don't use it. That's it. Uh, okay, next to the day-to-day tier. So cards that I'm usually not using, but like every once in a while I'll toss in there. So chain reaction, if I just, if I know, it, you know, like if I'm facing a heavy pitching team and I just need any hit I can get, that might be a card I consider. Or if my team is really slow and I'm facing a ground ball pitcher, something like that. Failure to communicate. If my opponent's got a weak outfield, I'll use that. Uh, hitter's count, if it's a super offense-heavy matchup, I'll run hitter's count, because I'm more likely to get the advantage. Uh, otherwise, I probably won't. My power is doubled. Really nice card against uh, Dialed In, because my power is doubled. Just basically gives you plus the swing when your opponent's adding to the pitch. So um, anytime your opponent has... Plus two to the pitch from dialed in, you can use my power as doubled for plus two to the swing. It's a little unreliable. Um, it's not super easy to use, so I'm not like using it all the time. But in situations where you're against a super good pitcher who's going to have it on them a lot, that's a nice card to have. Uh, not throwing away my shot. It's it's solid. Like it's a clutch moment card, and I think clutch moment cards are inherently um, pretty situational because. It's just hard to depend on on them. So they have to be fairly good in order to even be guaranteed to use. That's why Captain Clutch is up above this tier, because you don't have to have a Clutch moment to play it, therefore it's more reliable. Um, not throwing my shot is fine. Um, being able to re-roll Banish chartouts is good. That said, I tend to roster players who have low Banish chartouts because I just think they're better. So I tend to use that a bit less. But... You know, if you're in a situation where, you, you know, you know it's going to be a tight game, good pitching, it's going to be like a 2 nothing game, 2-1 game, right? Predict You can predict that it's a clutch moment, not a bad opportunity. Uh, reading the ball 2.0 is nice if you find yourself against a fairly weak outfield with a fairly okay base running team, right? Like, if you're, if you're running, like, 10, 12, 13 speed guys and your opponent's got, like, a 7 outfield... You know, maybe you, you decorating the ball to give you that little extra bit to make sure you get home. Because being able to advance guys is really nice. You don't always get to hit home runs. Although, you know, I do like to say, well, just hit home runs. Right? That is nice, but getting people home is nice too. Uh, round them up. You know, it's a momentum card. And the reason I like it is if I'm playing a hit, you know, hit, hit offense-heavy matchup, I'm just going to play around them up because I'm more likely to just get to smack that thing down early, get the benefit for the rest of the game. Um, underrated overlooked is fairly simple. Uh, I'm not going out of my way to make sure my team qualifies for this card. If your team happens to qualify for this card with like four players in a row, then you should deck this card because it's pretty good in that very specific situation. Otherwise, don't use it. Um, Unsung Hero, I'll use in an offensive heavy matchup, especially if I'm, if I have two or more targets for Unsung Hero. Um, usually that's gonna happen when you have, like, a platoon or two. So, um, that works pretty well for that. Wandering Eye, if I'm running a speed team and I have stolen base icons, I don't generally recommend doing that. So that's, but like, in that situation, it's good. 
Uh, who run it if you're running run icons? Again, I don't really recommend that. Catch me if you can. If you like stealing a lot, which, again, I, I don't really recommend. So that's why it's here. Uh, full steam ahead is nice. Um, it, it's a kind of thing where you're guaranteed to get value out of it, but you also have to wait until the very end of the game to use it. So you're giving up value um, on on that. Um, hit and runs down here. I think hit and runs actually going to go up with the new 21 cards coming out that this is a good card to use for. Um, but if we're just talking 19 and 20, hit and runs mainly just double play prevention. If you're running a slow team, um, there are a few pitchers where they have so many more ground balls than they have strikeouts that it's worth decking it. But if it's just one or two more ground balls and strikeouts, you're not really giving yourself that much better odds by decking it. You know, because if you get a strikeout, you got to steal with the guy on first. And if the guy on first is slow, then, you know, you're, you're dead that way either. So, it, you know, it's only kind of okay. Uh, down the line, if, I have a if I'm in a stadium that gives plus three with down the line, I'll use it. If not, I kind of don't. Like, plus two is, is, is fine, but if you can only use it with two outs... It's a little less situational than I'd like. Um, or it's a little more situational than I'd like. Pintar, simple. You have multiple players that can use Pintar, you're using it. I usually don't tend to run those players. I usually think one, having a bunch of one icon players is a little weird. Uh, but if you have the team that makes use of it, then you're using it. Uh, tipping their pitches. Um, very nice situational card if you're in a key matchup where you know exactly what cards you're going for. You know, so for example, you're in a really tough pitching matchup. Your opponent has no bullpen, but they have elite starters. Uh, tipping the pitches is a card I will run just to make sure I try to get massive efficiency out of their hand. Stuff like that. Uh, running with a double, very situational. You got a really fast dude, and your opponent has a really good catcher, so you're not going to be stealing, but you want to use your fast dude. So maybe they have a really good catcher, and they have a bad outfield, and maybe you'll run that. Um, alternate site, bad on ball, better one out than two, or just kind of like, well, maybe you want a different result. Um, very unlikely that that'll happen to the point where you actually want it, but maybe there's like very minor situations. Uh, Chega Chega, if you are facing a really bad outfield, but you have almost as bad running, um, you can kind of use that to give yourself a little math on an advancement. Um, good take if you want to up if you want to try and gather some walks to knock a pitcher out of the game, um, very rarely does that work out for me because you have to actually get singles to play good take, and that's tough to do against good pitchers. So usually when I try this, uh, it doesn't work out very well, but I'm open to the possibilities. Um, disrespected if you know your opponent's going to intentionally walk you, but that's pretty hard to predict. Meatball Masher, if you have a lot of icons and your opponent's going to throw a lot of mistake pitches, great. Those two things don't usually align for me because I don't run a lot of icons. So, yeah. Uh, never enough if you are in the most offensive of offensive situations and you got icons. Which, again, unlikely. Um, pitch count, again, like... You know, pitch count will turn a single into a walk. Good take will take a walk and let you change a strikeout to a walk. You have to actually get singles and walks to play those, so it's just really hard to combo those together. Like, I'm not against it, but it just doesn't seem very reliable. 
um, pulled it only because of the draw on the icon. Um, like it's it's technically beneficial uh, the trade off you're making, but really it's for the draw in addition to that. Um, tape measure blast. If you are really desperate for card draw, um, same with you or the chosen one. If you are really desperate for card draw, maybe those are going to work for you. I've tried to get them to work. Haven't worked for me. Maybe they'll work for you. I kind of doubt it. Uh, Carpe Diem. Uh, if you have a lot of bench players, multiple of them have positive clutch, and your opponent has a low-ending starting pitcher, meaning you're going to get a lot of opportunities to pinch hit during clutch moments, then, yeah, Carpe Diem might be good. That's a lot of things that have to go right in order for that to be able to be played, but in those very specific situations, sure. Um, overthrown, I mean, I guess. I just feel like you're not getting enough. Like, how many defensive throws are you causing that's going to make that worth it? I feel like it's not that many. Um, suicide Squeeze is theoretically interesting because it's just like a free runner home. Um, I've tried to make it work. It's a little... Like, it's likely enough to get it to work that I want to keep trying it, but unlikely enough that... I feel like it doesn't do enough. It's kind of in a weird spot. I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I feel like I'm definitely not using it now that I have 21 straps to use because there's just definitely not room for it now. But before that, I tried experimenting with it and it was like, yeah, I mean, okay, but I don't know. It, yeah. If you found a way to make this work consistently, I would be really interested to see. But I feel like you're basically throwing, like, by itself, it's fine. It's fairly low risk. Um, but you're taking the spot of another card that's probably going to be a lot better. Um, and there's not really any specific situation where this card gets really good right it's kind of the same no matter what like for the most part um ambush them and knock them in for kind of contact and fly balls and i, I mean ambush them you if you get multiple hits you can try to get more hits which is cool but there's a lot better ways to get advantages on at bats than you know, why would you use ambush them? You can just play C clearly, right? Like, I know that's pretty simplistic, but there's a lot of cards that are better than this. Um, knock them in. Like, I guess if we're running a super speed team, but no. Don't do it. Like, I could maybe theoretically see it, but I don't think so. Uh, final tier is the release tier. All of these cards, again, I think are too situational to ever work consistently. And if you do get them to work, I think they're not even going to be that good in the first place. So, those cards are Charged Up, Clickbait, Cloud9, Crowd the Plate, Curtain Call, Do or Die, Four Corners, Got a Piece of It, Hit the Road Jack, Hole in His Glove, Homeward Bound, Opposite way, passed ball, rattled, slump buster, speedy gets greedy, squash the bug, stealing sign, step out of the box, stretch it, table setter, think outside the box, 
Upon further review, walk this way, Barnum and Bailey, lean into it, lost the handle, patient hitter, in the dirt, sneak attack, a familiar plate. And with that, that is all of the strategy cards that are offensive from 2019 and 2020. Next episode, I'm going to try to cover defensive strategies. I'm going to post these tiers in the show notes, so you don't have to like write them all down. They're going to be in the in the show notes. Um, and let me know what you think. If you disagree with any of my cards, any of my choices. Um, and look forward to talking to you soon.